Brothers and sisters, Hajj ended a day ago. Hajj, which is Allah's ab- obligation on His creatures, as He stated in the third chapter of the Quran, وَلِلَّهِ عَلَى النَّاسِ حِجُّ الْبَيْتِ مَنْ سَبِيلًا It is Allah's right over humankind to make pilgrimage to the Kaaba if one is able to find a way there. It is the duty which humankind owes to Allah to make pilgrimage to Mecca. It is a duty which should not be delayed. We should have no doubt that delayal of this duty is a form of sin. When Allah put it as an obligation, obligations are primarily immediate. As long as the the conditions for doing it are fulfilled, then that obligation should be fulfilled. As Allah said, prayer through the Prophet ﷺ is obligatory five times a day. It is obligatory as long as one is able, it is immediately obligatory within the time frame that has been set for it. And he said fasting, Ramadan is obligatory and it is obligatory within the time frame as soon as one that time comes, it is obligatory on the individual and as long as he is capable, is able to do it, he must do it. Similarly, zakah. Zakah is obligatory once a year has passed on surplus wealth. One has got that surplus wealth in one's hands, one has the means then it is obligatory for them to pay the zakah. You're not allowed to delay it. And similarly, hajj is obligatory. It is obligatory in its time in the year that has been set for it as soon as one is able. Unfortunately, many Muslims have neglected this obligation. They have found one excuse or other to delay it. To delay it beyond its time. Beyond the point of obligation. And that is why on Hajj we see an abnormal amount of old people. Very old people. Abnormal, it doesn't represent the norm of the ummah. Zakah represents the norm, the old, the young, everybody's paying. Fasting, the norm, the old, the young, everybody's fasting. Salah, well, it should be the old, the young, and everybody. Alhamdulillah, with the awakening, Islamic awakening, which is spreading around the world today, we're starting to see more and more young people in the masjids. But in a sense, 
Salah, this has happened to Salah also, where people traveled for years, and the only people you would see in the masjids were the old people. Where did all the young people go? And we still see that to a certain degree. During Ramadan, everybody's there. But outside of Ramadan, mostly old people. And Hajj is similarly neglected. The proportion of old people is far greater than those of younger people. But it is something which is obligatory on each and every one of us as long as we are able. And there's a hadith, authentic hadith, narrated by Ibn Hibban, in which Prophet Muhammad quotes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying that anyone who has the means to make hajj a second time, and five year pass, five years pass, and they don't make hajj, they are deprived. They are deprived of a great reward. And their lives will be representation of that depravity. It will affect their lives. This is why we have a five-year limit. People might have wondered, why did the Saudi government say five years? Why not every three years or every six? Why, why five? Because Prophet Muhammad quoted Allah as saying, that's the time frame within which. So at least every five years, people must be given a chance based on this statement of Allah. If the government had to choose, they would say ten years, give more people chances from the outside. But Allah said five, so... It has to be at least. can't be any more than five. So even if we have already made hajj, we are encouraged to make it a second time. Strongly encouraged. So, we know that the process of making hajj is not an easy process. We should start preparing from now. Those of us who were not able to make Hajj this year, then we should make the intention from now to make Hajj next year. And start doing the things which are necessary to make a successful Hajj. Start from now. Don't wait until next Ramadan and then when you try to find out, they say, well, ah, the door for applications has already been closed. You say, ah, oh, too late. No. Start from now. This is an obligation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The seriousness with which we take this obligation is indicative of the seriousness of our faith. The other things that we do in life when we, when, if we are really, if it's really important to us, you see we take these things very seriously, especially if it has to do with earning money. We take those things very seriously. So we make the necessary steps, get the necessary information, ensure that we get that money. 
But when it comes to dealing with the obligation to Allah SWT, we are lax. Allah Ghafoorur Rahim. This is our favorite phrase. Allah is most merciful. Yeah, He's merciful for those who deserve His mercy. For those who are neglectful, who have not given Him His due, haven't made any kind of effort, if He were to be merciful to them in the same way that He is merciful to those who strive, make an effort, etc., then there would be no point in making any strive or any effort. We just carry along and do things anyhow. There must be a difference. So yes, He is the most merciful. He is Ghafoor Rahim. The very fact that we are able to breathe and live and eat and all the different mercies and blessings that Allah has in the world, this is all a part of His being Al-Ghafur Rahim. He's Al-Rahim. Al-Rahman. But the reward, the reward for doing what He has made obligatory, this is a great reward. A reward which will not be achieved by those who have not made the effort. For those who sit back and just say, Allah is Ghafoor Rahim, they are like the kuffar. I'm not saying they are disbelievers. But they are like the kuffar. They are like disbelievers in that Allah shows His mercy on the disbelievers in spite of their disbelief and everything else. His mercy is there. He is Ghafoor Rahim. He gives them a chance. And actually in the same verse, which is the 97th verse, Allah, after saying that it is His right over people, that they make pilgrimage to His house, He goes on to say, وَمَنْ كَفَرَ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ غَنِيٌّ عَنِ الْعَالَمِينَ And whoever disbelieves, He uses, for those who don't accept that obligation, he uses kafara to become a kafir, to become a disbeliever. Rejecting that obligation, not accepting it, is a form of disbelief. And whoever disbelieves by not accepting that obligation, then know that Allah is ghani. He is not in need of them fulfilling his obligation. He has no need from the creation. That this obligation which he has placed on us is out of a need that we have, not a need that he has. We are in fact harming ourselves by not fulfilling that need which we have to make Hajj. So, Hajj is something we cannot take lightly. The excuses which people make up are not acceptable. 
Ability means you have the price, the money. Meaning, even if you're saving up to buy a house, or you're saving up to pay the dowry of your daughter which you shouldn't be paying, or you're saving up to buy a car, or you're saving up to do anything, but that money which you're saving up is enough for you to make hajj, then it is obligatory on you to make hajj. Delay the car. Delay the house. Delay the marriage of your daughter, which you shouldn't be paying for. But don't delay hajj. Don't delay hajj. This is a duty to Allah. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bring us to Hajj. To help us to fulfill this obligation to Him which we need to fulfill. And to get out of our Hajj the full reward which He has promised. Hajj is fundamentally a sacrifice. It is built around the sacrifice of Prophet Abraham, the sacrifice of his wife, Hagar, Hajar, and his son, Ismail. All of them made ultimate sacrifices. Sacrifices of life. So this Hajj is truly the journey of a lifetime which involves sacrifice of our time because our time could be used to do other things. As people say, time is money. Sacrifice of our health. Most people come back from Hajj and they're sick. Anonymous would say, why would you want to go and put yourself in that situation? Three million people coming from all over the world, bringing every conceivable disease with them. And you're going to expose yourself to that? Why? Sacrifice of the health. And sacrifice of our wealth. It costs. And every year it becomes more and more expensive. So every year that we delay more we have to pay. So it is a sacrifice. A sacrifice in commemoration of the sacrifices of those who came before us. A reminder to us in the fullest sense that paradise involves sacrifice. Paradise involves sacrifice. Because Prophet Muhammad had said that there is no reward. No other reward for Hajj which has been accepted by Allah other than paradise. That is the ultimate reward. That is what we're going on Hajj for. To achieve, to obtain that ultimate reward, paradise. 
So paradise involves sacrifice. It's not cheap. And that's the reality that we all need to know. That for us to be on that path, Sirat al-Mustaqim, the straight path that we pray for 17 times every day, it is going to involve sacrifice. Hajj is also a reminder to us that the essence of worship of Allah involves humility. That we must be humble before Allah. That we cannot establish the correct relationship with Allah without humility. Where we lower ourselves before Allah. If our worship of Allah is one in which we pick and choose what we decide to worship Him with, at our own convenience, we do what pleases us of what He has instructed us, and we don't do what doesn't please us, then know that this is not worship of Allah. This is not worship of Allah. This is worship of ourselves, of our own desires. This is not the religion of Allah, the religion of submission. Islam is one of humility. And Hajj brings that home. When everybody has to take off their clothes and wear, men wear the two white garments. Men who represent the strength. Why men and not women? There are issues. Aura and all these kinds of things that are involved. But men who represent the strength of the society, the strength of the family, the provider, the protector. Men are told to humiliate themselves. Reduce themselves to the lowest common denominator. Nakedness and a couple of pieces of cloth. That's it. No matter what you have in this world, how much wealth, etc. you have, then you're told to reduce yourself down to nakedness and two pieces of cloth, like everybody else. You are no better. Whatever you have was given by Allah. And He can take it at any time. And you can't take it with you. So, be humble. Of course, people will fight it. So even though we're told to wear two simple pieces of cloth, some people pay a hundred rials for ihram. Thick. Gold embroidery. Whatever. 
Some people still fight it right until the last minute. But for most people who accept Hajj as Allah has prescribed it, they humiliate themselves. They humble themselves before Allah. And to conclude the ihram, we are called again to humble ourselves further. Shave your heads. And the Prophet ﷺ had said, you know, Allah blesses those who shave their heads. One of the companions, he called out, what about those who trim? And he said, Allah blesses those who shave their heads. He still called out, but what about those who trim? He said, Allah blesses those who shave their heads. But oh Messenger of Allah, what about us who trim? Okay, Allah also blesses those who trim. But Allah blesses those who shave their heads. Three times as much as He blesses those who trim. Why? Because the option of trimming is there, you see so many people, <laughs> Alhamdulillah, just trim. And trimming becomes women's trimming. Women are told to gather their hair and trim an inch from the end of their hair. So men will take some hair from here, take a scissors and take, ah, trim. You haven't trimmed, brother. This is not trimming. That's what women are supposed to do. And they gather all of their hair. You only took a piece of your hair here and another piece here and you clipped your hair. This is not trimming. So even in trimming where the concession is, people are trying to avoid, you know, humbling themselves before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this of course all is a reflection of the state of one's hajj. The great blessing is on the one who shaves. Why? Because he has lowered himself. Yes, normally we associate hair for women. They're the ones who have this big thing about hair. That's why they're told to cover it, right? Cover their hair. But men have pride in hair too. When hair starts to fall off, they're looking for hair transplants and wigs and everything, just like women. Because the image, the self-image... How we look at ourselves. So now shaving everything off your head like a bald man. <laughs> don't look nice. You don't look too good at all. But this is what we're called to do. To lower ourselves. That which we hold so much pride in. Our hair and our look. How we look and remove it. Humble yourselves before Allah. This is Hajj. And this is a lesson for ibadah in general. That if we don't humble ourselves before Allah, we pray when we feel like praying. One brother was arguing, what's the proof that I can't pray all my five prayers at night before I go to sleep? Come on. Allah has prescribed the prayers at specific times. 
Why are you trying to do that? What kind of prayer is that? Prayer is not according to our convenience. As fasting is not according to our convenience. As zakah is not according to our convenience. Nothing of Islam that has been made obligatory on us is according to our convenience. It is according to the commandments of Allah. And if we cannot respond to Allah's call, then it means that we are failing in this life. We will lose out in the end. Whatever we are doing are just acts, blind acts, which will not take us to paradise. When you look at them externally, one might say, yes, he prays, he fasts, he gives a cat, so and so and so. But the Prophet ﷺ said, there are people who will do the deeds of the people of paradise, as it appears to people, but they will be of the people of hell. We are sealing our own destiny. If we don't humiliate ourselves before Allah, ibadah is incomplete. There is no ibadah without humility. Pride, as the Prophet ﷺ had said, no one will enter paradise who has a mustard seed's worth of pride in his heart. This is essentially where the issue of that pride comes. Pride before Allah. Unwillingness to worship, to submit, to commit according to how Allah has prescribed it. But wanting to do it according to how we feel is convenient. This is Hajj. Humiliation. Humility. And Hajj is also Arafah. Hajj, as the Prophet ﷺ said, is Arafah. Al-Hajj Arafah. Why did the Prophet ﷺ say that Hajj is Arafah? When there are so many other things that are done. Arafah takes a period of time from Dhuhr until Maghrib. On the 9th of Dhul-Hijjah, that's the period of Arafah. Wukuf Arafah. So why does that become more important than the rest of the things that we do? Slaughtering, you know, uh, tawaf. And we do tawaf. If we do not tamattu, we do tawaf twice. We do tawaf we do it three times. Why? Why is Hajj Arafah? What is it about Arafah which would make the Prophet ﷺ say, Al-Hajju Arafah? Because Arafah is dua. Arafah is dua. Dua, supplication. Calling on Allah. Turning to Allah. That is, that is the essence of Arafah. We pray Dhuhr and Asr there, together, to give the maximum amount of time for dua. Of course, there are other issues that happen. People come there, they eat big lunches, etc., and they end up sleeping until just before Maghrib. They get up, oh, time for dua. 
Now we're going to make a couple of du'as. This is not Arafah. Arafah was du'a. Du'a for like five hours. Du'a like we have never made du'a before in our lives. Not du'a when the calamity comes. Of course, when the calamity comes, then we'll be there making du'a. We can make it for 10, 20, 24 hours. We can make 24-hour du'a. But that's because we're desperate. Situation has occurred. But now du'a, not at our convenience, but du'a when Allah said, make the du'a for five hours straight. This is the trial. Many people stand there and they cry because they can't make du'a. And we see them crying, we say, MashaAllah, Allah has touched their hearts and you know, but really they cry because they can't make du'a. They can't hardly say anything. They don't know what to say. They're standing there before Allah. Nothing is coming. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Ad-du'a wal-ibadah. Supplication is the essence of worship. So since Hajj, is the mighty act of worship, and Arafah is dua, then Al-Hajju Arafah. Hajj is essentially dua, Arafah. And this is among the blessings that comes from Hajj. For those who manage to achieve the maximum out of that time of dua. That optimum time given where Allah forgives, removes from the hellfire, blesses those who turn to Him sincerely in dua. Not at their convenience, but at His command. And this is what we need to have in our lives. Dua. Dua. Regular. Dua when we get in our cars. Dua when we get up in the morning. Dua before we eat our food. Dua when we come into our homes. Dua before we go to sleep at night. Dua. Supplication. Turning to Allah is the essence of worship. And Hajj is seeking forgiveness. As the Prophet ﷺ had said, one who makes Hajj, which is blessed by Allah, returns home from Hajj, free from sin, like the day he or she was born. Hajj is forgiveness. As the Prophet ﷺ also said, One who repents from sin is like one without sin. Hajj is repentance. Where it is done with the necessary sacrifice, humility, dua, 
it becomes the ultimate purifier. Purifies one from sin. This is why we can't afford to let the opportunity from Fahaj go by. Allah has brought us, many of us who are here, we have come halfway around the world, or three quarters of the way around the world. There only remains two hours to Hajj. If we go back from here, go home and didn't make Hajj, what can we expect from Allah Taala? When He is the one who brought us here, He made the way easy for us. He gave us the opportunity which He has not given to most of the Ummah. And we spend our time earning money and turn around and leave here without making Hajj. What example of ungratefulness can be greater than that? This is the height of ingratitude. When Hajj is gratitude. Hajj is the expression of gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the highest level possible. And we show him our ingratitude. And Prophet Muhammad wasallam, he was the example of gratitude. His life, every moment of it, was classical examples to us of gratitude. Whether it was in his prayer, whether it was in his dealings with others, his family, whatever he did, the wealth that came to him, whatever he did was encompassed within gratitude. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the realization of the example of Prophet Muhammad to love him and to follow him as we have been commanded. To make Hajj a worthy goal in our hearts and to put in our hearts the humility which Hajj teaches. To bring us to submission before him in all of our various acts of worship in all aspects of our lives. I ask Allah to give us the reality of true submission to Him, true worship of Him, true love of Allah as He deserves to be loved. And to give us at the end of this short life, paradise. Amen.